0: future of golf is still in flux. A new women's hockey league just launched. An iconic college football coach could be eyeing the NFL. And later we'll hear about the challenges and benefits sports teams get from putting on concerts at their stadiums. It's Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter and this is Front Office Sports Today. Golf world is still in a holding pattern after the deadline for a deal between the PGA Tour and Saudi Arabia's public investment fund came and went. Joining me now to discuss is front office sports senior reporter AJ Perez. Welcome, AJ.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me back.
0: Uh, So we saw some reports out there that there was an extension between these two sides after they didn't make a deal uh, before the end of the year. What do we actually know here about what's going on?
1: Yeah, we reported uh, right after New Year's uh, that uh, that there the talks are going to go into 2024. There was a deadline set back when the framework was announced that it was basically would create a new commercial entity that would have the PGA Tour, DP World Tour, uh, and Live all kind of combined into one with one this big organization kind of running the assets of of all the tours. Uh, it was a very it was unexpected in June, and it was very tough the next many many weeks many months to get even to a to a point to agree to an extension because really they were, they were supposed to have this deal done by December 31st at midnight. Uh, I, so that didn't happen. Um, so now they're going to be talking and, and then we have another investor group that, there's, that the PGA Tour is working to get at least another billion dollars from. Uh, the, the PIF, which is uh, the Saudi Public Investment Fund, which is backing Lib and spent many, many hundreds of millions of dollars so far, um, has committed to spending between $1 and $2 billion as part of this partnership. And in the meantime, the PGA Tour is talking with another outside. It's uh, kind of a new outside firm for, for another uh, several hundred million plus uh, funding as well.
0: Yeah. And, and while we're on that that other firm, Strategic Sports Group, so that includes Mets owner Steve Cohen, Atlanta Falcons owner Arthur Blank, uh, Fenway Sports Group, which is you know, Red Sox and Liverpool and more, Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, do we know anything about what role they might have here?
1: It's going to be, uh, you know, they are going to be investing. And that, that's what we don't know is because if for some reason the the PIF money, money doesn't come, then you're left with, all right, now we need, we really need this other group. And so not only for that, because they're going to need, and they're going to need to spend more this other group. We need to spend more money because Lib is backed by, you know, this huge, this entire, you know, country's fund. And they're going to, and they're willing to spend a lot over many years and the PGA tour will need to compete against that. And they're already losing players. They, they have, they lost John Ron before Christmas. There's going to be other defections. If things stay status quo and the Saudis are offering $500 million contracts to people. I mean, so the really, they, they need to come to a deal, uh, with, with one of these. And I think, and I think this, this, this other group is a necessity. If, um, if the you know if if PIF does not end the PGA Tour the DP World Tour can't come to a deal there it's going to be very interesting it's it's going to cost a lot of money uh, and pro golf will will be fractured uh, going forward if if PIF and the PGA can't come to a deal
0: yeah and i think just the presence of the strategic sports group is very important in these negotiations for the pga tour because at least they can say we're not completely screwed if if this falls apart you're not our only option uh but yeah it's the reason they're willing to make a deal in the first place is because live is such a threat to them they have so much money and they're willing to throw it around and not be especially popular for who knows how many years uh but but meanwhile they're you know they're buying up all every golfer they can um what what's it going to take uh, in terms of time wise and anything else we can throw in there what's it going to take to actually see a deal happen here
1: i think the uh the deal oh well, there's probably two parts of that so uh so the so i think they're very they're you know, this, you know, the SSG, um, you know, Fenway, which is kind of led by Fenway Sports Group, um, they, that shouldn't take much lot more, much more time. I mean, it was reported, it was reported a couple of weeks ago that it was imminent. Obviously, the imminent wasn't really imminent, but I think that's, they're moving forward there, um, you know, but the, maybe part of the delay possibly why it wasn't announced by now is not knowing what happens with PIF. Uh, the other part of it, I think, you know, there was one report out of the UK that the the deadline got extended till April. I that was one report. I can't confirm that. That doesn't seem like enough time because I think they're for as p- slow as the negotiations have gone, um, pretty much since at the time it was announced. And there's been more progress, I would say. There's more progress late November in, into December than there had been the previous four and a half months. But you know, it's going to take time. There's a lot of issues still, and I think uh, we're it's going to be mid-year, and possibly. You know, if it's if they make a lot of progress, if that trend continues, yeah, they maybe by April, maybe by the Masters, possibly. But I think it's going to be a little after that. Uh, but I think the SSG, you know, part could come sooner, especially if it looks more likely that the PIF and the PGA have some kind of are closer to their deal.
0: All right, very interesting. Obviously, we'll be tracking this one as it goes forward. AJ Perez, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: A brand new sports league has launched in North America. The Professional Women's Hockey League played its inaugural game on New Year's Day, with New York defeating Toronto 4-0. In addition to those two teams, Boston, Minnesota, Ottawa, and Montreal fill out the PWHL's original six. There are a couple of notable elements here. One is who is behind this league. It is backed by Los Angeles Dodgers owner Mark Walter and his wife Kimbra, who last year united two competing women's hockey leagues by purchasing the one they weren't involved in. Those leagues shut down, and the PWHL is rising up in their place. The Walters are also working with Billie Jean King, Alana Kloss, and Stan Caston, who is now a Dodgers part owner, but has previous stops with the Washington Nationals and Atlanta Braves, Atlanta Hawks, and Atlanta Thrashers. Another interesting piece here is that the league is entering with the Players Union and a collective bargaining agreement, which was ratified in July. Pretty normal for a new league like this to say, you have nowhere else to play, we're going to set the terms, and you're going to live with them. The PWHL is involving its players from the outset, and that may be a more sustainable path. It's a new day for women's hockey, and it's set up to succeed in a way that it really hasn't been before. Over to college football, Jim Harbaugh coached Michigan to an overtime victory over Alabama and into the college football final against Washington. And it's possible that the final will be his final game as a collegiate coach for the foreseeable future. Harbaugh turned some heads when reports surfaced shortly before the ball dropped at the end of 2023 that he had hired the agent Don Yee. Yee's clientele includes Tom Brady and Denver Broncos head coach Sean Payton, and typically he is someone you hire when you want a job in the NFL. And of course, it's possible that Harbaugh actually wants to stay in Michigan, and he's just flexing his leverage for the best deal possible. But Harbaugh coached the San Francisco 49ers from 2011 to 2014, losing the Super Bowl to his brother John Harbaugh and the Baltimore Ravens in 2013. He interviewed with the Minnesota Vikings in 2022 and Denver Broncos in 2023. And obviously, this year's otherwise superlative season has been marred by a sign-stealing scandal that may have produced some ill will between Harbaugh and the NCAA. Harbaugh has been the face of the Michigan football team since 2015, and that might be coming to an end, whether in victory or defeat, on Monday. Up next, I spoke to Jonathan Schenk and Stephen Lundy at Terrapin Station Entertainment. Terrapin puts on concerts at NFL, MLB, and MLS stadiums, which is an increasingly important revenue stream for teams as they try to maximize the value of their venues in the hundreds of days with no game happening. That conversation is coming up next. All right. I am joined now by Jonathan Shank, founder and CEO of Terrapin Station Entertainment, and Stephen Lundy, executive vice president of Terrapin Station Entertainment. Welcome, Jonathan.
2: Hey, how are you? Thanks for having us, Owen. Good to see you.
0: Yeah, good to have you. And welcome, Stephen.
3: Hey, Owen. Good to be here.
0: Yeah, so you guys work with sports teams, sports venues to put on concerts. So just first give us a sense of what it's like working with with teams to, you know, utilize their venues for something other than their, you know, original intended purpose.
2: Um, I think that this all started like, you know, about five or six years ago. um, And Steven had uh, really, um, you know, motivated the idea and and kind of, you know, really kind of planted the seed of working with uh, some major league baseball teams at that time. And so we gave it a shot. Um, and started to just, you know, really plant the seeds and build the relationships and and kind of figure out what that model would look like and to to, uh, understand what it would be like to work with these teams. And what we found very quickly was that um, so many of these major league franchises and beyond even MLB, other, you know, other um, leagues as well, we're starving for more content, whether that be more concerts, more non traditional content, um, and just more activity in their facilities because the uh, home games only fill up a certain amount of dates on the calendar. And uh, while it is tricky to find windows to do certain things, what we found is that there's a real, real demand
0: one piece of that that's surprising to me cuz you you guys started in 2020 uh which you know turned out to be a great year to start a live events company but um, you know sounds like things are going well but um, um beyond that um uh, you know stadium shows have been a thing for for decades why was there such a an open market for this why was there such you know, an unfilled demand that you know wasn't already being taken up by the existing stadium shows
3: i think that it, it kind of goes back to just how this all even started to begin with, which was that there's obviously those stadiums that you think of Wrigley Fenway that are just iconic and will always, and have always had a great track record of, of shows and success each year. And then there's the vast majority, honestly, of stadiums that are not necessarily the first ones you rattle off that are, um, all eager, just as eager as any other, to have concerts all in amazing markets, um, all amazing facilities. And they all want to be um, you know, utilizing their stadium to the best of their ability on non-game days. And so what that really kind of meant for us was how can we plug them into the music and live events industry more directly to really capitalize on those open days. And just kind of in answer to your question about how the stadium business and industry has been growing in recent years. I think it's, it's been year over year. I mean, right now we're just in such a boom on the stadium business and the amount of concerts and the amount of, um, I think excitement around this is just at an all time high. And so it's been an amazing time to be working with these teams and helping them get in on, on all the opportunity that there is and fans are loving it and artists are loving it. And it's all been, um, it's all been great. And honestly, you know, our, our number one goal is obviously for these stadiums to be active and, and they every, every show is, is a big success and a big win. And, and, and something that everybody's excited about and takes, in many instances, years of planning to get into. But um, but it's been, it's been a lot of fun and definitely, I think, the right time for these conversations right now, just with the nature of the way the stadium business and, and concert business is going.
0: And when you approach a, a team that doesn't have a long history of, of putting on shows, what kind of concerns do they have to make sure that this is going to work out for them?
3: So it, it so varies, right? I mean, every market is so different. It's some some markets have um, tons of competition and are concerned about that, right? Maybe there's a festival in their backyard that um, that is is really active and takes a lot of the the shows out of the market. Maybe it's the fact that they're in close proximity to other major stadiums and you know everything else, or it could be just that they're precious about their field. And they're worried about the impact on the field and how is that going to impact their, their team's performance, which ultimately is the number one focus, right, for, for every club as it should be. But um, it's, it's definitely, I'd say, the, the range of kind of concerns for newcomers to this space is everything you'd imagine and more. Um, but that appetite to have shows is really what drives the whole conversation of how do we get creative? There is a solution for virtually all of these questions. Um, there's an answer to all of it. And so our job is to help them work through that and find those answers. Yeah. The
2: top tier artists can only play so many markets, you know, so, um, it, it you have to get creative as Steven said, because the, you know, Billy Joel's and the Rolling Stones and Taylor Swift of the world can only go to so many markets. And so, you know, if, if they're, they're not coming to your market, then you have to figure out ways to. Create other shows, other opportunities, other packaged events, etc. Um, I think there is uh, a lot of competition out there, despite the, the demand.
0: Yeah, and on that that piece of you know making sure the the field is playable um, after the show, uh, how how soon after you know a, a big rock concert, say, can can you play a game on that same field?
3: it's a great question and honestly I think if you asked the uh, the grounds crew at different ballparks and stadiums around the country they might have different answers on that um, you know it's obviously the more time you have the better right I think everybody would would agree with that but there's certainly within 48 hours you can have a game on these on these fields after after the show now that said there are teams and clubs we work with that you know, it depends on the staging. Is it going to have dramatic impact on the field? Are you going to have to resaw it or anything like that? All of that can have impact. Um, honestly, even time of year, the weather, how long is the flooring going to be down for and how much impact is that going to have? But as a general rule, I mean, certainly we, we have this upcoming season, you know, there's, there's games 48 hours after the concert. The shows on sa- Saturday, could have a game on Monday.
0: And I I hear this brought up mostly around arenas. You know, when a a team is trying to say, you know, we're going to build this new arena, but it's not just going to be, you know, the the games. We're going to have shows. We're going to have events. Um, uh, And and, you know, that's often pitched as a reason to, you know, want new facilities. But I'm wondering um, how much, you know, if if you can speak to the finances a little bit, how how much, you know, a a team or venue can can make from having a stadium show that they wouldn't otherwise.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's. It obviously varies, right, depending on um, so many factors. First being, what stadiums are we talking about, right? If it's an MLS stadium, which might have a concert capacity of 22,000, it's obviously very different than an NFL stadium, which might be able to sell 55,000 tickets. So the variability just on the gross on these shows is really large, the gross uh, box office. And that obviously has a direct impact on how much these teams can make. But it's... um, you know, a general rule of thumb, I would say that these, these teams can certainly be making six figures or more, uh, depending on how it, how it all pans out and the structure. And now, you know, it also, there are shows that are Taylor Swift and and massive, huge blockbusters, and then there are smaller ones. And part of what we do is work with these teams across all scales, right? So it could be a, it could be Even just the parking lot events that we can work on to help program that, which of course would have different revenue opportunities than two nights of Luke Combs, right? So it's it's uh, really across the board. Who sells a lot of beer? So yeah, exactly. It's you know there's so much so much to be made. I think um, on a lot of these shows, as Jonathan just said, the F and B on these shows is hugely important. Parking, if a stadium has that, is hugely important. There's sweet revenue um, their ticketing deal, if there's an ability to sell in sponsorships, all these things definitely have huge, huge impact. So it's, it's not an easy one, one single answer. Unfortunately, I wish it was, but you know, a lot of what we do is help these teams work through what is the potential opportunity for, for this show, right? What should they be looking at? And, and is it worth it? Right? Is it worth trying to fit this into their schedule? If it is a little bit tight, is it worth that? Um, if they're going to have to resaw it, is that expense worth the the upside? So, things like that are all part of the equation. I've noticed
0: you guys work with a lot of MLS teams. Are there particular types of teams, types of stadiums, that are kind of your sweet spot?
3: Yeah, I'd say that you know we work across NFL, MLB, and and um, MLS, and so the common thread, and I'd say the common denominator, is that they're all just very aggressive and want to be open for business in this, right? So there are certain stadiums that are comfortable getting one or two shows a year and they aren't prioritizing this business. And then the ones that we work with, the reason why we work with them is because they are trying to prioritize it. They recognize the opportunity here and they recognize the the sort of way to, to get more shows is to be active in the industry and have as many conversations as you can with the different promoters and artists and, and properties that might be able to work. So that's kind of really where we are able to help most or just so long as the partner is invested in this industry and invested in this side of their business, we're there to empower that, right? Um, Certain teams though, they might say we need to be making a million bucks to have a show in here. If we're going to be activating and and putting on anything in this building, it's going to be a million bucks and we're only going to be willing to do rental deals, right? As opposed to anything else. And that might, limit the amount of opportunity they're able to pursue but it's also every every club has their own sort of risk appetite their own thresholds of of success and kpis and it's really just about how much are they prioritizing this side of their business and we help them work through that and try to try to make sure they meet those goals and and surpass them just to finish
0: us off here what should we expect going forward on you know growth and changes in the stadium show business
2: well, I think that like anything, it, it ebbs and flows. I mean, I think that this is the biggest boom in the stadium business since about 1994 when you had Pink Floyd and Genesis and, um, the you know, the Grateful Dead and a lot of other artists touring through stadiums at that time um, successfully. I think that the other thing that plays into this is that a lot of these facilities are now state of the art with great, you know, great um led walls and 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 really great experiences for people to come and experience concerts it's not your old stadium where you're just standing in a pile of concrete looking at a stage three miles away so i think that you know if you combine those those uh forces i think you get something that's pretty powerful with state-of-the-art facilities you know artists that that have the uh cat catalog and canon to be able to do it and you know the the ability for um, people to get together in these large spaces and enjoy something.
3: I think it's it's, it's a really powerful combo. I, I think further to that, it's just the quality of the shows have gotten so much better. I mean, just from an audio perspective, right? Like when you're there, it used to be a lot of times. I, I know years ago, people. I, I certainly I can think of friends that would have preferred to see an artist, their favorite artist, in a different sort of venue. Now, just the way that the audio and the production and the sound is, it's gotten so good. And these shows have gotten so, you know, just like they're truly spectacles at this point. I don't know if you had a chance to see Taylor Swift or anything like that, but it's, it's something that only a stadium can deliver.
0: Yeah, no, I haven't made it to Taylor just yet. Um, but, um, you know, if someone wants to come, you're, with some the tickets, only one. That would, you're the that would only be great. one. In, in yeah, the I know. <laughs> um, all right. Well, on that note, Jonathan Shank, Stephen Lundy, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thank
2: you. Thank you thanks so, so much.
0: much. A pleasure. That's it for today. Hope you haven't forgotten your resolutions already. Subscribe to the show and tell your friends we have a big year ahead. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow.